I was reading that mosquitoes don't like dance music. So if you want to sit outside with some friends and just enjoy the day, but don't want to be pestered by mosquitoes, all you have to do is play some EDM in the background, and the mosquitoes will stay away. Doesn't seem worth it. I think I'd rather deal with the mosquitoes. Welcome back to No Green Eggs and Ham. My name is Sam. I want to thank all of those who have been listening to the the past episodes. There's only a couple of them, and I know there's only a few of you, but I appreciate it anyway, and, and I would really um, appreciate it even further if, if you would uh, recommend this podcast to, to others, if you find it fun or, or entertaining at all. I wanted to talk about, well, first of all, before I get into it, there's two things that I, I want to address, and I'm pretty sure you probably would like that too. One is I know that I take too many pauses in between words and sentences, and I don't edit those out all the time. My bad. And two, use of the word and. I know I use that a lot, almost like taking a breath, and I use it in place of um and like. And I'm sure you know this. I drag it out. And, and, it's annoying. My bad. Again, I will work on that. So that out of the way, I wanted to talk about what brought me back to New York. I was born in Omaha, Nebraska, as some of you may already know from previous episodes. When I was six, my father moved us back to Long Island, or I should say to Long Island, back for him because that's where he was from. Then we moved to Omaha, Nebraska again when I was 11 or 12. When I was 18 years old, my parents got divorced which was pretty hard to deal with. But the point of this is, is how I got the, how I transitioned back to New York at a later age when I was, I was 22 when I finally came back to New York. But when my mom left, uh, my father wasn't able to do much. Uh, he was pretty distraught. So my brothers and I had to, to work and to keep things going. It was, it was difficult. It wasn't easy to see, you know, our father collapse like that. There were some rough things that happened during that time period. But when I was 20, 21, I left to go to Arlington, Virginia. My friend who I had grown up with, who lived right behind us uh, while we lived in Omaha, and you know we were best friends and we grew up together, he had moved to, I, I believe, somewhere in Virginia and was working for a, a company that it was kind of an insurance company that followed storms around the country. And basically, I think he worked in the sales department, you know, selling insurance to these people that are that were just hit by hurricanes and stuff like that, you know, natural disasters. So while he was in Virginia, he met this guy who was looking for people who knew martial arts or at least had a vague idea of martial arts, which whatever. And he was looking for teachers to, to teach his curriculum to, you know, schools and gyms and, you know, and groups, you know, and get into businesses and stuff like that. And it was an interesting idea. And my friend had asked me to come out there because apparently the guy had heard of me and was, you know, I was like a perfect candidate. So I got recruited out there after visiting. I think I visited once just to test it out and offered me a position to do it. And I ended up staying at his house because, you know, my friend didn't have any space where he was living. He was shacking up with some girl. And so I lived with the instructor slash owner in this basement with, you know, a blow up mattress that 
I had to refill up every night because when I woke up in the morning, I was laying on the, you know, the hardwood floor because it just flattened. And there was, you know, some black widows. It was not a great experience. I was only out there for like nine months. And uh, during Christmas break, I took a train back to New York to visit family. And on my way back, I took the train back to Arlington and called my friend to pick me up. And when he answered the phone, he said, yeah, I can't do that. I was like, why? And he said, because I moved back to Nebraska. So my friend kind of ditched me, kind of left me out there by myself. I walked home with my luggage and that it wasn't a, a short trip. But the whole time I was like, I can't believe my my friend abandoned me, you know. Anyway, while I was there, I got into this uh, like a 24 hour fitness or the like something. I can't remember exactly what it was now. And I'll get into why I'm having a hard time remembering. But it was a it was a gym. It was a workout gym. And I had gotten in there to teach. I, I actually got an appointment um, you know, I, I did some cold calls to, to places around the area and they didn't have any sort of uh, self-defense courses offered at the gym and they were kind of looking looking at it as a, a possible class to, to offer their um, their members. So I actually got like a little contract with them, nothing on paper, but it was, you know, I, I teach and I can use the gym whenever I wanted. And like every day when I wasn't training at government sites and stuff like that during the week, I, I would be in the afternoon and the evenings at this gym. I would ride up my bike because I didn't have a car. I had a bike. It wasn't even my bike. It was the guy I was living with, his bike. And I would ride this bike, what was it, 12 miles each way, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's, I don't know, it was tiring because I'd ride my bike, his bike, whatever. We'll just call it my bike just to get through the story. I would ride it to the gym. I would train. Then I would hopefully teach a class or talk to people about joining and then ride the bike home. Usually it was at night. I didn't have a helmet. I don't know. It, it wasn't smart. It was, you know, tons of hills and stuff like that. And I would I would know where which lights were the best ones to coast through where I most likely wouldn't get hit by a car. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, just blaze right through as fast as I could because I, you know, these deep, these steep hills, there's always steep ones going down and then steep ones going up. So I wanted to get as much speed as I could on the ones going down to go back up. I don't know. It was, it was stupid. One, one day I was setting up, I set up this, this, um, like introductory course, like kind of like a sales pitch for kids of members of the gym, of workers of the gym, you know, so that they can bring their kids to, um, a martial arts class while they work out. You know, it's a cool concept, and I don't know why no one in that area had it at the time, it, it, but it seemed pretty cool. And I had a bunch of these kids that came, and it went very well. And there was this um, maintenance person that worked at the gym who I got friendly with, you know, while I was there. I, I, I knew most of the staff, and most of them were friendly with me. But this maintenance worker, he asked, like, if I could come back on a Saturday to do this class for his son um, because he couldn't, he didn't have time to leave work, get his son and bring him back to do these courses. And, you know, like I said, he was a really nice guy. We got close. I said, yeah, sure. No problem. I come in early, even though, you know, I'm not scheduled to come in. I didn't, well, it was my schedule, but I didn't, there were no Saturday classes that I set up. But I said, I'll come in. I'll give him the introductory course, see if he likes it, and we'll go from there. And, you know, we'll talk about what we can do for scheduling. So Saturday morning comes. It's early. I take the same route with my bike as I do every other day. And during the route, there's, I, I pass a couple army bases. And, you know, because it's Arlington, it's right right next to... I, the, the class is in Alexandria. And so in between Alec, 
Arlington and Alexander is some army bases. You know, there's obviously, it's that close to DC. There's obviously going to be things around there. I remember vividly, I was passing this like Masonic Lodge before I hit this army base and it's down this steep hill. So this is one of those hills where I'm like, okay, got to get some speed because, you know, the next next hill is going to be brutal. So I'm, I'm going down this hill and by this Masonic temple, they're having like a car wash. And there were some girls there. I was, you know, again, I was 21. I think I was actually 22 at this time. And I'm on the sidewalk, you know, because I didn't want to get hit by a car. So I'm on the sidewalk. I, I can usually see if somebody's going to, you know, pass by on the sidewalk so I can go around them. The gates to this army base, it, it was such that as you're riding along it, it kind of curves with the sidewalk. And so you can't really see through the fence as you're going along it. You know, you can see if you're just standing there you can see fine, you can see into the, the army base. But it, when you're writing, it's like, it's like a solid wall almost, you know, just because of the, how it is visually. And as I come up to the entrance and exit to the army base, as soon as I go to cut across the little driveway, a van pulls out in front of me and I smack right into the side of it. Uh, when I wake up, I have all these army boots around me. My head's, you know, sideways. I'm, my head is right on the ground and I'm looking sideways at everything. So I see all these army boots around me and they're telling me not to move, not to get up. And I feel them move the bike. Like my bike, my body's twisted around the bike. They move the bike away and they said, are you okay? I think they said that I'm not even positive. And I see emergency people coming, take a look at me. I get on a stretcher. I, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. I Supposedly I said, I need to get to class. I have to teach a class. Uh, let me go. And when I get into the uh, ambulance, this guy's watching, you know, he's taking care of me. He's checking on me. He's asking me questions. Outside of the, the back window, I see all these emergency vehicles. There's a couple fire trucks. There's ambulances. There's police it's huge. It's like, it's almost like something happened. You know, this is just one person on a bike and it didn't warrant all these emergency vehicles. Like what? They didn't have anything else better to do. <laughs> I was thinking that. And then the next question made me realize why that was the emergency tech. He said, I need to cut your sweatshirt because I think something's wrong with your arm. And I said, no, 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 please don't do it. This was from my uncle. I was wearing a, this was 2000. 2002 or 2000 it was 2003 may of 2003 i was wearing my uncle's hazmat company one fdny sweatshirt it wasn't it wasn't his but i got it from his hazmat team he was in 9-11 he was actually one of the remaining survivors um his his firehouse lost more than anyone else as as numbers go he lost 19 out of 24 men and it was an important sweater sweater to me you know it was a couple years after 9-11 he was a hero to me still is. I, he's still a hero to me he's he is alive he, he did survive i didn't want that that sweater to be ruined i said no no no, no. um let me take it off and i just ripped it off over uh, you know took it off later on I would find out that that was a mistake but at the time I just I took it off and the EMT said that's not your sweater I said it's my sweater my uncle gave it to me and he said you're not a you're on the FDNY and I said no uh, my uncle is I just I wear it and I didn't want it to be ruined he gets on his radio and says false alarm he said something I don't remember exactly but it was something like this is this guy isn't from the FDNY and Everyone left. 
all the lights stopped flashing. It's almost like, I mean, so it was like all these people were watching the van or watching the ambulance. They're like worried. They're, you know, I practically expect like them to just lead a procession to the hospital. And I didn't realize why until they said something. They thought I was um, a survivor of 9-11. And uh, as soon as they found out I wasn't, everyone just left. And from that moment on, the rest of my time in Arlington, Virginia was hell. I get to the hospital, they're rough with me the entire time. They don't pay attention to me. I come to find out that my my clavicle broke, uh, dislocated my shoulder, my rotator cuff was destroyed, and my shoulder was like twisted the other way. So my arm was screwed up and my jaw was broken. But they didn't they didn't even like acknowledge that. You know, they asked where does it hurt and I said, "Well, right now everywhere." But my jaw, something's wrong with my jaw. It keeps clicking. And I didn't know. And I, I, I felt that something was wrong, but I couldn't really feel anything. And I was like, I'm talking to you, but like, it feels like only half of my mouth is moving. And come to find out, it, it broke like right down the center. Like they didn't, I don't know, they didn't really take care of me. In fact, the hospital was so bad at dealing with me that they didn't even do both surgeries at the same time. I didn't. I actually didn't see any doctors. I saw nurses, and they they gave, gave me X-rays. They stood me up and brought me to get an X-ray, but I didn't actually see anybody. They put me under, and next thing I knew, I came out. the The way they woke me up was so violent. They like ripped out the what do you call it? The tube down my throat that they were using to to help me breathe. They ripped it out, and I woke up to that. That's how I woke up. And I, I remember that part vividly. The the feeling of being something being ripped out of me, waking me from anesthesia. It was awful. And not only that, I couldn't move my mouth. And the reason is, is because it was wired shut. But again, they didn't tell me this. Before I go on, a, a cop had visited me in the emergency room before surgery, before any of this. And he said, I have some good news. Um, the guy isn't pressing charges. And at this point, I was on morphine or something powerful. I don't even know what it was. And I was like, I'm sorry. I must be on something strong because I don't understand what you're saying. He said, well, technically you were uh, on a moving vehicle and you hit him. So he's not pressing charges. And I said, I'm a pedestrian. He's like, well, in Virginia, it's considered a vehicle and you ran into him. It was your fault. And then he said, it's funny because actually when I said that you want to press charges to the man who, by the way, was like lieutenant colonel or something, the lieutenant was like, what? He didn't even understand it. He's like, why would I press charges? (laughs) And so thankfully the guy didn't press charges and found it just as ridiculous as I did. So that that was fantastic. But anyway, so I, I wake up violently, don't know what happened. And then they put me down again, or I, I pass out or something. I don't know. And next thing I know, I wake up in a, in a room. I see a, a, like a couple of nurses come in, but no one talks to me. And then all of a sudden I see my, my aunt and my father walk into the, the hospital room. And I'm like, how did you guys even find out? I mean, my aunt cried. It wasn't a pretty sight seeing me. I guess I was all mangled. I had, you know, bruises and everything everywhere. And my face was all wired up and my arm was in a sling. And oh yeah, I want yeah I wanted to say, when they did the surgery, they didn't talk like the oral surgeon and the orthopedic surgeon. 
no one ever ever got them together so no one knew what was going on like instead of taking care of both at the same time they only took care of my jaw and dis disregarded my shoulder altogether so i was you know a martial artist with a broken jaw who couldn't speak in an arm that was virtually destroyed and nothing i could do with it the oral surgeon ended up coming in while my aunt and my father were there and you know explained <laughs> i don't know you know i didn't have any insurance or anything I was on my own, in a way, and he's talking about, you know, that's one of the reasons why they, they only did one of the surgeries, I guess. And he said some racist comment about, you know, I wasn't Spanish. And, yeah, he said that I had to come and see him the next day in order to, you know, look at the the braces and see if they need to be tightened again. and then And then I would have to come in and, you know, see him every once in a while. But because my livelihood was done my aunt and my father suggested that i move back to new york which at that point i mean i was living on a floor my friend was gone i hated arlington i really hated being so alone i was it was such a miserable experience a terrible time in my life you know i had, I had thought terrible thoughts while there uh, i had no one no one to talk to so you know i was obviously yes yeah please get me out of here and you know, we saw the or the oral surgeon the next day. You know, he looked at the things and said whatever he said. I don't even remember. And then, you know, we went to where I was staying. We picked up all the stuff. I The night before, I, my aunt and my father, I, they got a hotel room. I stayed with them. I was like, I do not want to stay in this, this place. So we had a, you know, they had only a car. And I grabbed some stuff, you know, whatever I could, like clothes and, and things. And my aunt cleaned up a little bit we left and I went to New York and thank God for that like I said I don't know where I would be right now if I had stayed there it was it was not going in a good direction I had eventually you know months later after my jaw was finally healed took two and a half months to get that off and and then I had surgery on my shoulder after that had to wait for that you know the the jaw to, to heal before I could have surgery on my shoulder that was a whole other experience you know, you, what you don't want to hear is, <laughs> I, I did it in record time from the orthopedic surgeon after you get out. You know, he basically did it in like a quarter of the time that he normally would. That's fantastic. It actually ended up, my shoulder was worse off after he worked on it than it was beforehand. I had much more mobility before the surgery than after. Now it's, it's fine. This has been years, but uh, it was not, not a good experience. So we ended up going back to the the place where I was staying to get the rest of my stuff. Before I did, he you know he he wanted money, which is fine. You know I was, I was living there virtually rent free. You know just teaching some of his classes and stuff and teaching my own. So I said that's fine, and uh, you know I said I have a check for seven hundred. That's all I have left. I had it from taxes, and he's like make it a thousand. And thankfully, my aunt is who she is, and she gave me the extra money. We get back there, and, you know, with a van, and I find that a lot of my stuff has been gone through. I guess he was looking for things to either sell or hoping that I had money or something. That was cool. I had this little little safe that I, I worked at a, a, a tool store called Harbor Freight, and I bought this little safe. It was like 30 bucks, but it was pretty solid and it was flipped over like he was trying to see into it through like one of the the holes in the back 
<laughs> there was nothing in there. I, I had medals and stuff from an organization I belonged to, but that's it. And there was nothing of value in there at all to anybody outside of myself. And even that, I, you know, it, it was a ridiculous object to even have. But whatever. So that brings us to New York. I've been here ever since. And uh, I'm thankful for that time that I was there. I mean, I didn't learn a lot, but I, you know what, actually, I, I, I did. I, it had its own value while I was there. I, I did learn some things. So it was definitely something I had to go through in order to get to where I am now. Because, uh, you know, since I've come back, I've, I've met my wife, you know, we've had kids. And without that experience, who knows where I would be now. I had friends in Omaha that I was going to move in with, and that ended up being a really bad situation. So I'm, I'm glad I wasn't around for that. And yeah, I, I prefer New York over Nebraska by a long shot. I can, I can never see myself living there again. Um, my brothers are there, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not moving back. So, you know, I, I can get into more details at another time about the transition from Nebraska to DC to New York, but I think that's enough for today. I had mentioned before that I had problems remembering things and I found that ever since that day that I got, uh, that I ran into the car, I keep saying I get hit by a car, but I didn't, I, I ran into that thing. Uh, full blast. In fact, I dented the the side door, the the sliding door for the car, or for the van, and that's what the the cop said. He said I, I dented it with my head. Um, but ever since then, my memory has been shaky. Like my past events, my past life before Arlington, I don't remember all the details. So that's that's what I meant by I, I had a hard time remembering. We will see you next time. Still haven't gotten a theme song. Just so you know, people, nothing submitted. Although I haven't checked anything. Like, I, I don't think I've actually looked at the email that I, that I have associated with this. And I haven't looked at comments anywhere. But I don't think there have been. Right? I think that would get a notification. Nah, I don't know. But anyway, we'll see you next time. Have you ever heard of the Tomaton? It's like a tomato robot. So in Japan, they created this robot that's that's a backpack for runners. And it feeds you tomatoes while you run. That's what it, that's all it does. It's a tomato feeding robot for runners. I'm not a runner. I mean, I, I run for exercise, not not for recreation, and not a distance that would require like a camel pack, one of those packs with water in it. But as far as I know, it would I would I would never get to the point where I would need to be fed tomatoes while I run. What's the significance of tomatoes for runners? I have no idea. If, um, I don't know. I, honestly, you know, I've had Japanese food. I love it. I've never seen a tomato used in Japanese food. I did just realize, or just find out that there's recipes in Asian cuisine that use, like, tomato paste. And I know in, in India they use tomatoes, but as far as, like, Chinese and Vietnamese and Japanese... I, I've never seen a tomato used, but apparently it's used so much in Japan that they give it to runners while they're running. And of course, Japan being as cool as it is, was like, well, you can't just carry a tomato. You have to have a robot feeding it to you. Unless you can train like a monkey to do it. But they're like, nah, nah, we have those. We want to build a robot. We're going to call it Tomatan. Maybe they have an influx of tomatoes. Maybe they have a, a surplus, not influx, a surplus of tomatoes. And they're like, we need 
we need to do something with these. Let's just tell the population that if you're a runner, you need tomatoes. You need all the tomatoes. Every tomato. You need them while you're, you're running. And, like, is it constant? Like, do they just constantly? Is it, like, a button? Or do you talk to it? Maybe it's a talking, a talking activated robot. You're like, tomato. Or I don't know how they say tomato in Japanese. But, you know, tomato. Give me tomato. Tomato now. Tomato me now. That's what it is. It's probably tomato me now. And then the robot just like takes its arm and like, I don't know, swings around and like just pops in your mouth or maybe it hands it to you. It'd be cooler. And, and, and probably, you know what, if you're carrying a robot to feed you tomatoes, it better feed you tomatoes. Like why use your hands? Your hands are swinging, right? You need, you need to swing those arms. You don't have time to reach out for a tomato and, and grab it from a robot and put it in your mouth. No, that robot's got to feed you right and is it like just like are the cherry tomatoes maybe the cherry tomatoes and they just pop them in your mouth you're like you know i don't know i don't know i i'm i'm assuming they're not heirloom tomatoes those things are huge and you just take a bite and then it pulls back while you're running so like you you know where you're going still because otherwise that massive heirloom tomato in your face is kind of obstructing your view it's confusing to me but the more i'm talking about it the more I'm psyching myself up to get one. Like, I, I, I think I need a tomato, a tomato feeding robot backpack. Tomatan. I'm going to get one. I'm not going to get one. But don't you want one? Tomatan.